The scripture reading this morning is from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3 and 8 through 16. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, he received power of procreation, even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. <clears throat> Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them.
Well, thank you both very, very much. That was really beautiful. Um, I don't think we have any kids. Um, uh, we have Charlie and Andy, my two grandchildren uh, there. Uh, so why don't you come on up here, Andy and Charlie. Why don't you turn around so I can look at you? There you go, yeah. I see the back of your head, but it's so beautiful. Your grandma did that, both of you. Just really, really nice. Um, I wanted to talk about promises today. Do you know what a promise is? What is it? Yes, it's when somebody tells you that they're going to do something for sure. They say, I promise, right? And have you ever made promises before? Yes. Yeah. You're not good at keeping your promises. I know, I know. And you know what? I'm not sure who is. Really? We make promises all the time. Uh, do you remember when Auntie, uh, well, you, you don't remember when Auntie Carrie was a child. That's my daughter. And uh, one day, she brought home a cat, a kitten. And she said, please, Daddy, can we have him? Please, 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 please. I promise I will. And then she promised she'd take care of the cat, but she never did. I don't want to say never, but it didn't last very long. And I asked her later on, oh, what about your promise? You're supposed to clean the litter, the litter box, and not me. So, oh, I don't really have time right now. And our parents make promises to us sometimes, too, don't they? Can you remember a time when they've made you a promise? Or grandma? She may, we make a promise every day. If you eat your dinner or enough, you'll get dessert. That's a promise, right? What? Yes. Grandma promised to take them to the pool after dinner. Today? <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, you know what happens here every once in a while so when somebody gets married? In this sanctuary, they stand right here where you're sitting. And so on one side would be the bride, and the bride always looks beautiful. And then sometimes uh, the groom or another bride and the groom or other bride looks handsome or beautiful. And then we talk for a while, and then at a certain point in the service, they come up, up here where I'm sitting. And then they look at each other, and they make promises to each other. Yes, promise to love each other, promise to be there for them. I watch that stuff on TV. <laughs> I love my sister. <laughs> okay, I know. But you know, you know who else makes a promise? Is uh, God makes a promise. Yes, yes. God promises. That's right. And God promises to be with you no matter what happens to you. Well, okay. We can go on and on. He promised to be by her sister. Mm, okay, sweetie. 
Do you think, do you think we can kind of trust God to, to keep a promise? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Well, let's close our eyes and have a little prayer, okay? And then after that, you're going to help me uh, move that box down the center aisle for, for food, okay? Which, which box? This, this big one right here. So can you close your eyes and bow your head and then we can pray with me? Great. Uh, loving God, we thank you so much for uh, the people in our lives, and we love them very, very much. And we hear pr people making promises to us or other people, and, and sometimes it's hard to keep promises. Uh, but you have promised to be always with us no matter where we are, no matter who we are, and to be with us uh, all through our lives and beyond. We thank you so much for the promise of your love and care. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I know every once in a while we uh, get a, a preacher when I'm not here, which is good. It kind of mixes things up, but I, I don't get to listen to that person preach. So all I hear is myself or Michael. And I always enjoy hearing Michael's sermons. I think he's a great preacher. And, uh, of course, he was here last Sunday and everything went well. And then my friend uh, Larry Hallett, uh, the Sunday before that was here, and I'd never heard him preach either. Still haven't heard him. I suppose I have to... Uh, here a recorded uh, uh, sermon and then Larry will be here next Sunday as well because Ann and I are, Ann and I are going out of town for uh, just a few days. Uh, those who are in the Bible study might recognize the text today even though it uh, is in the New Testament. Um, if you uh, read uh, Paul's letter to the Romans or uh, the letter to the Hebrews uh, we get a very common theme that reaches all the way back uh, to the beginning of their history as a people. They go all the way back to Abraham. Um, and if you know uh, Genesis, there's the first 11 chapters are kind of, I don't know, they're just sort of the big picture about how God created everything. And then at the beginning of uh, chapter 12, there is a, a distinct change in the narrative. It becomes a person. Uh, well, Noah was a person, but he was sort of part of that big picture thing. Uh, but Abraham uh, becomes a person. And uh, Abraham receives a call from Yahweh. Um, I, I, I want you to come and I will bless you. Uh, you'll have many children if you come and I'll show you where I want you to live. And of course, uh, they were both old, very, very old, both uh, Abraham and Sarah and they were probably somewhere in their 70s or 80s at the time. And can you imagine, though, make, getting a promise that if you, <laughs> when you're 80, uh, follow me? That's hard enough, but the promise of children, I mean, that is just so far out of the question. It's just kind of weird. Uh, but uh, then God uh, blessed Sarah, and uh, she gave birth. And uh, that's how the, the narrative gets started. Uh, it, it gets started with this call uh, to Abraham, and also a statement of an empty womb. And that was the problem. Uh, the call was uh, a, a blessing. Uh, it was a wonderful thing. It's something that they could uh, respond to, and they do. Uh, but the issue of a barren womb is something that they can't really respond to or, or create new life in that empty womb. And the word barren uh, is a word for that. And of course, that word barren can kind of be a blanket statement about so much of what happens in life. Uh, uh, people uh, think that they can do all of these wonderful things, and they do. I mean, we've come a long way 
in technology and um, you know creating and forms of life and all of that kind of stuff. We understand how uh, the birth, the development of the fetus and childbirth and all of that, uh, but we really don't understand where life comes from. I mean, that really is uh, the ba basic issue uh, of barrenness. And so uh, the point of, of uh, having Sarah have children at that age uh, puts her beyond the childbearing years so far uh, that there is no possibility and yet that is the place where uh, Yahweh creates life and that theme of creating life in the barrenness and in um, in death uh, those stories are throughout the Bible it's not just Abraham and Sarah but one after another great story uh, there you see God at work behind the scenes making things happen where uh, humanity seems to run out of steam or they reach a dead end, uh, then that's the point where Yahweh uh, often works in creating new life. And of course, that's what the whole story of Jesus was all about. Uh, the death and then the tomb. And of course, the, the way these narratives go, uh, the tomb being buried uh, is something that we cannot create new life. And uh, the resurrection uh, is kind of a, this really big statement uh, that God can create new life out of death. And so Old Testament, New Testament, I mean, it's throughout. That's one of the main themes. Well, here in uh, the letter of uh, Hebrews, we don't really know who wrote it. We can kind of guess who it was written to, uh, probably Jewish people. Um, it was written a little bit later than some of the other uh, documents in the, in the New Testament. And I think it's helpful to just keep in mind uh, that when Christianity first be began, uh, it really was this huge departure. It's kind of like the, the Protestant Reformation in the 1600s. You know, the Christian, the Jewish split, it was that, the beginning of that split that we see here reflected in the New Testament. Um, and so um, God is able to do uh, what we are not able to do sometimes. And so here is a celebration in chapter 11 of, of the book of Hebrews. All of these sort of famous people, and we kind of look through them and we realize that what the point being uh, is that uh, God is the one who gives life. I mean, we can be stewards of that life, and we can take care of it or we could destroy it, but life is not something that we can necessarily create. I mean, there's a power there, uh, that is, I think is beyond our grasp. As technological as we can become about childbirth and you know the egg and the sperm and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we know all that the same way that we know all the way that seeds uh, sprout once they're in the ground and they develop and grow into something totally different. Uh, but always there's gonna be that deep mystery of where that comes from. And it's a philosophical problem, uh, a theological problem, and not really a biological issue. Uh, we're beyond uh, where we are not able to create things. And so this is a nice summary here, reminding people, the Jews and Christians as well, uh, that that's the way God works. And if you doubt that, here are, here's the evidence. And then, you know, they give all of this, uh, this kind of list of the uh, heroes uh, of, the, of the faith. 
And then there's one uh, statement that I think is really, really important to bear in mind, and it was not one that was uh, read today, but, it's, uh, but it is uh, in uh, that chapter 11. And it's just part of the story. And it says, and without these people, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would approach him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And then it goes on, talking about Noah and Abraham again, uh, who, who acted on these promises that Yahweh <coughs> gave to them. And of course, uh, that was that was really the nut of it is is just responding to that promise and trusting that promise and you know we're being in a political season like we are I mean we're hearing all kind of promises you know at every level every political level you know this politician promises to do this and the other one promises to do that and all these grand gestures you know of making the world a better place and uh, making everybody's life successful and secure, and yet I'm, I'm not being critical of it. It's just it's just the way it is, and um, and it's so easy to make promises. It's not only children who so easily break break promises, but we we have those broken promises everywhere, and that's why we have to put our signature to whatever contract we're making, and have to have it notarized, and you know everything to hold us to the promise that was made, not only by us but also to the lender. Um, and so our lives are full of promises. Um, and you can only pick, you could probably pick arbitrarily any aspect of our lives and see those promises at work. And, um, you know, Ann uh, bought a Volkswagen diesel uh, a few years ago. It's a great little car, wonderful. And, you know, she was getting like uh, 45 miles to the gallon. And wow, you know, she was going to keep that as her last car. And then you hear news that the architects, the, the designers of it, had fudged. And they created a way in the car to defeat the smog test. And so if that smog test is defeated, then it passes. But then it goes back to what, how it normally runs, and it, and it spews out 40 times more than whatever. And wow. The promise is that I'm giving you a car that is safe and economical and is well designed. Now, Volkswagen broke a promise and they will have to pay the consequences. Do you think Anne is ever going to buy another Volkswagen? <laughs> Probably not. And even as I referenced uh, to two people standing here uh, at a wedding, and they really are promises that they verbalize to each other. <clears throat> and I tell couples, you know, it's really, really important uh, to, to stand before your community, your family, your friends, and in a formal way to make these promises to one another. Uh, because we think that the promises that uh, they make in marriage are really serious prob uh, promises. And again, you know, the marriage promise is something that can be broken over and over again, and it is. Uh, but, but you can see, though, uh, throughout life we have these promises. And we have learned to be a little cynical about some of the promises that are made uh, to us. Uh, with our children, we try to believe them and, you know, hold them to their promise and uh, on and on. Um, but uh, here, if you don't believe God exists, and that God makes things out of 
Nothing. Well, it boils down to who the promise giver is, isn't it? You know, pick any politician. And the promises that they make kind of depends upon our trust in that person or the lack of trust in that person. And we've gotten a little cynical over the years, uh, rightly so, I think, because promises are so easily made that, you know, if somebody's in office, they can, they can do all these wonderful things that you want them to do. And, and, but life does not work that way, really. Uh, human beings don't work that way uh, together. So we, that's why we have contracts and, you know, binding things and all of that kind of stuff. So when it comes to the question of the promise that's made from God, uh, what is laid out here uh, is evidence that this God can be trusted. And believe it or not, God had to be tested many, many, many times over the years. And sometimes uh, the people of Israel simply didn't trust God. And if you read the Bible closely, sometimes there was no reason to trust God, which is a little disturbing. But by the end of the, uh, end of the day, uh, God keeps God's own promises. And we kind of depend on that. Um, and so that, that's why, that's why uh, we can have a sense of trust in this God. And that's what it boils down to. And I think using the term faith is a little misleading uh, because they use this term faith. You know, Abraham had faith. But really, you know, faith is just like something that you have. You know, you can put it on your coffee, a coffee table or put it in your pocket. I don't know. But the question is, do you have faith? Well, I don't know. Where is it? Whereas if you ask somebody to trust, that's a very active verb. And it depends on the, on, on the promise giver. And so what it comes out in terms of the scripture is that God is being tested over and over and over again to be worthy of trust. Now, we know we have a hard time trusting other human beings. I mean, that's kind of a given. But the question in the Bible is, can God be trusted? And that really boils it down to why we carry on with our lives. That's what gives us value and a hope in the future, and that's why we work toward hope, uh, because our belief is uh, that the one who gave these promises can, in fact, be trusted. And we don't have to know how the trust is going to work out, because we never know the future. You know, we can promise something to somebody and feel confident we're going to do it, by golly, but then something comes up, and we cannot keep that promise even though we see ourselves as promise keepers. And by joining this church, for example, you know, we have New Member Sunday, and really what that is is a covenant, uh, like a marriage covenant, like a relationship where people joining the church stand here and the congregation says things to them that they are accepted and become part of this body, uh, this congregation, and uh, promises are made that we will be there for you. Uh, we will pray with you. We will rejoice with you. Uh, we gather together and uh, worship this promise keeper. And, uh, and there it is. So um, I like to use the word trust instead of the word, word faith. Because faith is a little passive. I mean, you can have faith in someone without really doing anything. But you can, when you trust someone, that's a more active relationship. And I think 
by trusting someone like, like God, we can feel free to do and to be anything that we can become. We can be fully ourselves uh, with God uh, and still trust that God will be there no matter what what happens to us. So it's kind of related to the, uh, uh, to the mac, uh, maxim that, uh, you know, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Again, love is not a very good word. I think trust is a better word. Um, and so it comes down to a relational thing. Not necessarily among ourselves, but uh, all of us uh, trusting Yahweh. And that's why we worship the source of life. That's who we see Yahweh as, not only the, the source of life, but even death, you know, going down in death and rising to new life. That is, the, that is the power that God has. And do you trust that? Not everybody trusts that, especially the Jews back in the 30s and 40s. You know, they thought the same thing. And then where was God when they needed them? So there was a great crisis of trust during and right after the Second World War. And that went on for many decades. And then you had, you know, the God is Dead movement uh, in the 60s. And so there's always this, this active desire to find what can be trusted in life. Uh, sometimes we just simply trust ourselves or trust a family member. And, but trusting God is on a different level. It's a different magnitude, I think. Uh, so by trusting God, we are really trusting life itself because God is the creator of life. And so uh, that's why this, the Jesus story is so important to us. It's crucial uh, that in the teachings of Jesus, in his life, his death, his resurrection, God shows the kind of power that God has for us. And it comes as a promise. If you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, if you believe uh, that God's power was displayed in his life, uh, then you too will have life. And that's what we do together. We open our hearts, our minds, not only to one another, but just to this moment in time, knowing that God is fully here. And I believe God is as fully here as God was in the tomb of Jesus. I mean, we look back at the, these great stories and say, oh, that's in the past. You know, a lot of Christians call it, they call it the closed canon. That nothing can be added to the Bible now because that's all in the past. And that gives us the sense that <clears throat> we're kind of on our own right now uh, with God. And we have to kind of make it up as we go. But, uh, but God, I think, adds to uh, sort of this depth of relationship that we have with God. And I really believe that God is as present to us right here now as God was to Jesus or Abraham or Sarah or anybody else that you can name in the Bible. And so that's why I think we are a people of trust. Even though others disappoint us, uh, others break their promises or try to do us harm, uh, that's just the world as it is. But we trust the promise maker, the one who gives us life the one who is uh, with us every step of life's way. And we can count on that because what else is there? We trust in God and God's power. Amen. Well, let us bow our heads for a word of prayer.
Loving God, we gather here today with open hearts and open minds. We come here because you are quietly at work in our own lives, moment by moment, inviting us into the next moment, inviting us to trust you. Even in those dead places, maybe especially in those dead places in our lives, you are the author of life, you are the promise keeper, you are the one who always will be with us every step of life's way. And as your congregation here in this place, we help remind each other, we help practice with one another, uh, we know that you want us to reflect the same kind of trust that Abraham had and so many people through the ages. They become examples to us. That even though uh, everything is on the line, even though they've lost everything, these people act in trust, trusting the ultimate promise keeper. And so, loving God, be with us as you always are. Open our eyes, open our hearts to how you are working in this present moment. We pray for ourselves, we pray for other people as well, because so many people need prayers for themselves. We pray for those people who are on vacation or away over the summer, that you would return them, that they would return to us healthy and safe. And those who are going through uh, dark times, uh, very depressed times, uh, God, we are there as well. You are with us even in the darkest moment and even in the highest moment of light. So be with each one of us. Not only surround us with your uh, power, but also to reassure us that you are there every step of the way. We thank you for Jesus because his trust led to his resurrection. He didn't have to die. He could have just slipped away at night. And yet, he became the prime example of what your power looks like. It's a resurrecting power. We pray to have that power in our own lives. And we pray these things in the same way that Jesus Christ taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.